You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Just setting himself up as king, but he finds out that David and the others have anointed the rightful heir to the throne, Solomon. And 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 50 tells us that when Adonijah hears that Solomon has been anointed king, he knows he's in trouble. And so he runs to the altar and he grabs the horns of the altar and he's praying. And you know what he's praying? Oh God, save me from my brother. Save me from judgment. In today's message, Pastor Danny will continue to lead us through the intricate description in Exodus of what God wanted in His tabernacle. The level of detail is stunning, and it's not because God had eccentric taste or was picky. Every detail was purposeful and meaningful. In the same way, God cares about the most intimate aspects of your life. As you journey with Him, never think that the issues that you face are too minor for Him. He's God of even the smallest particles as much as He's God of the universe. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, as he continues his message, The Tabernacle. of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all the accessories. A talent is 75 pounds. The lampstand, light, seven branches of light. Let me give you a scripture. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 gives us the seven characteristics of the Spirit of God. That's what this represents. Need to note at this point, these articles Inside the tabernacle, there were no windows in the tabernacle. So this light is not from the outside in, but from the inside. It's God's light. It represents the sevenfold characteristics of the Spirit of God, uh, some of which are, for example, wisdom. You want wisdom? God has it. Understanding? God has it. Counsel? Power? Knowledge. Bread table, table of showbread, was on one side. This lampstand was on the other side as you entered the tabernacle. Chapter 26. Ooh, almost left that one. Let me give you a little cool side note on the lampstand. Isaiah chapter 60 prophesies, and here's what it says. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19. A day's coming, and it says, The sun will no longer be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. You find that fulfilled in the book of Revelation, still prophetic of the future, but a day coming when the holy city, the heavenly Jerusalem, comes down from heaven. 
And Revelation 21, verse 23, here's what it says. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. That's cool stuff. Okay, Exodus 26, verse 1. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. With cherubim, angels worked into them by a skilled craftsman. It's a poor depiction, but it's the only one I could find to show you. This is from a small model, and what they've done in this model is they've done cutaways uh, to show you the different curtains and their layers. They were, you would not be able to see all these curtains if they had not done the cutaway. But the first curtain is the one with the multicolors and the cherubim. Now, you're going to have to trust me on this. The white represents purity or holiness. The blue represents heaven. Cherubim, angels. The purple represents royalty. And the scarlet represents sacrifice. Chapter 26, verse 7, make curtains of goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle. That's the second one you see from the multicolored one that we just read about, the curtain of goat hair. Why goat? Because goat was the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was one day when all of the sins were kind of one for one, one for all, all for one on this goat. And the high priest would lay his hands on the goat, representing all the people, all your sins that you committed from last year to this year. Go on the goat. One goat was sacrificed, a second goat, both, both representing the same thing. One is sacrificed on the altar, but the second goat that you've laid your hands on is taking your sins. He would take your sins far, far away. They'd push him over a cliff. Done goat. No more goat. No more sin. He's called the scapegoat. Yeah. You can read about it. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 16. You got a scapegoat. It's taking the sin. Whew. Gone. Love that goat. And then chapter 26, verse 14. Make for the tent a covering of ram skins dyed red. You see the one red here? The ram skins. That's the next curtain. Covering. Ram skins. But not just ram skins. Ram skins dyed red. The ram was the sacrifice for the consecration of the priests. New Testament tells us by faith in Jesus, we are all priests. has to do with consecration of priestly nature. The ram is also the head of the flock, and as the head, it typifies strength and dignity. Let me give you one more really cool note. When God tells Abraham, offer your one and only son, Isaac, up on Mount Moriah, which is Mount Calvary. Abraham is there. Isaac is on the altar. Abraham has the knife up, and then God says, whoa, stop. And then God shows Abraham a ram in a thicket caught. He takes the ram, and the ram becomes the sacrifice. The picture can't be more clear. It's ram skins dyed red. You know what they used in ancient days for the red dye? I bet you'll never guess. It's called the scarlet worm. Let me tell you about the scarlet worm. The mother, when she's ready to give birth, 
to the baby worms. She'd find the trunk of a tree or some piece of wood, and she'd plant her body in the wood so firmly that she could never leave it again. Her young would be born, but in the process, she would lose her life. And the scarlet fluid would stain her offspring and the tree. But that's not the end of it. After three days, the dried red fluid would turn white and flake off like snow. If that don't give you Jesus bumps, there's something wrong with you. Here's what Isaiah says. Come now, let us reason together, Isaiah 1.18. Though your skins are like, sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they'll be like wool. Man. Chapter 26, Exodus, last part of verse 14. And over that, the ram skins dyed red, put a covering of hides of sea cows. That's the last curtain up here on the back. But again, we're seeing the cutaway. If you were to see this as it was, all you would see from the outside is the hides of sea cows. And let me tell you about the hides of sea cows. You wouldn't choose it for your couch. You wouldn't choose it as the number one choice for appeal. There's nothing appealing about it. It is the most unimpressive of all the curtains covering the tabernacle. But it's the only appropriate one to represent Jesus. Because Isaiah tells us, Isaiah chapter 53 Verse 2, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. There's one more curtain that's very important. It's inside the tabernacle. Chapter 26 of Exodus, verse 31. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim, angels, worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp. Place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. The holy place, bread of the presence, lampstand, curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place where the throne room is. Josephus was a Jewish historian. He tells us that this curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place was at least four inches thick. He said horses put on each side could not pull this curtain apart. But it is that very curtain that Matthew chapter 27 records for us when Jesus gave up his last on the cross, and he said, it is finished. And he breathed his last. At that moment, that curtain, that thick curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two from top to bottom. It was heaven's doing. Hebrews chapter 10. Wonderfully mysterious passage. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is His body. 
the mystery of his sacrifice in his body, opening the way for us to go into the very presence of the Father. Can anybody say hallelujah to that one? I mean, come on. Exodus 27, verse 1. Build an altar of acacia wood, three cubits high. It's to be square, five cubits long, five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners, so that the horns of the altar are of one piece, and overlay the altar with bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze, its pots to remove the ashes, its shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and fire pans. By the way, we don't have time to get in every detail of the tabernacle, but as best I can gather, gold represents deity, silver represents truth, bronze represents judgment. The altar is the altar of bronze because this is where God pours out His judgment on the sacrifice. And the horns are significant because the horns, we know from the Bible, represent the power of God over life and death. How do I know that? When Solomon took the throne, his brother Adonijah tried to usurp the position of kingship that was reserved for Solomon. Adonijah is setting himself up as king, but he finds out that David and the others have anointed the rightful heir to the throne, Solomon. And 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 50 tells us that when Adonijah hears that Solomon has been anointed king, he knows he's in trouble. And so he runs to the altar and he grabs the horns of the altar and he's praying. And you know what he's praying? Oh God, save me from my brother. Save me from judgment. Exodus chapter 28, verse 15, fashion a breast piece for making decisions. The work of a skilled craftsman. Make it like the ephod of gold, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, finely twisted linen. It's to be square, a span long, a span wide, folded double. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. In the first row, a ruby, a topaz, a barrel. Second row, turquoise, sapphire, emerald. Third row, jacinth, agate, agate, agate uh, amethyst. Fourth row, chrysolite, onyx, jasper. I mean, amazing stones, priceless gems. Twelve stones, verse 21, each for the names of the sons of Israel, engraved like a seal with the name of one of the twelve tribes. Verse 29, whenever Aaron, the high priest, enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart as a breast piece of decision. Wow! The high priest has the names of God's people on his heart. And he wants to make decisions on their behalf for their eternal good. And so it would be wise to follow the high priest And listen to his wisdom. Verse 31 of that chapter says, Make the robe of the priest of the ephod entirely of blue cloth. We don't have time to get into the particulars of this, but it's just an amazing, amazing example of the high priest and his love for the people and how he wants only the best for them. He wants their eternal good. And then chapter 30 of Exodus, 
Verse 1. Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. Verse 7. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. So the idea is the incense is going up 24-7 all the time. When you go to Revelation chapter 8, and in the end days, which we're approaching very quickly, John the Apostle sees this altar of incense, incense, and it has the prayers of the saints. And the idea is that all the prayers of the saints in the will of God are going to ultimately be answered. In that, God is going to make right every wrong. He is going to bring justice. And every prayer you've ever prayed for injustice to be righted will one day be righted. Those prayers will be answered. And so it represents our prayers to the Father through Jesus. But it's also clear from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that this altar of incense represents the prayers of our great high priest. Because... Hebrews 7.25 says that he ever lives to make intercession for us, which David Guzik pointed out last weekend in his teaching. The altar of incense. Then one last piece that we look at. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Ooh, that's serious. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. (laughs) You'd be very careful to make sure you didn't miss this um, basin of washing. (laughs) This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. I want to give you a fascinating and very practical insight on this basin of washing. You have to jump ahead a little bit to find it, but it's in Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8. You don't want to miss this. Listen to what it says. They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Wow. It's a bronze basin. Bronze speaks of judgment. It's for washing and cleansing. But it's also, if you will, I just read what they made it from. It's a standing mirror that when you approach it, You can see yourself. And when you see yourself the way God sees you, you better know you need washing. And if you don't receive the washing that God has, guess what? You're going to die. And when you die, you're going to face the judgment of God only because you have refused to accept everything He has to offer. 
You may be young and say, ah, I got time. You're a fool to think that. You do not know. God holds your very life in His hand. God's done everything He can that we can be saved. Here's the clear message of the tabernacle. One we didn't read because we just don't have time to get into the detailed study of it. But this is enough that you'll get the message. There's only one entrance to the tabernacle. You can't come from any side. You can't just come from any. There's only one entrance, only one way. One entrance. And the first thing you get when you enter, the first stop is the altar of sacrifice. And you better make sure that you offer the sacrifice and you have proper representation by the priest that the priest is offering the proper sacrifice for you. Because if you don't get the right sacrifice, you will not go any further. You're dead. You're history. Because he's a holy God. He's a loving God, but He's also a holy God. And so there has to be the required sacrifice. And if you get the right sacrifice, you can move on. And the next stop, the next stop after the right sacrifice is the bronze basin of washing. And as you approach that bronze basin, you can see yourself as you really are. And don't you compare yourself with other people because you can always find somebody you look better than. But you compare yourself with the holiness of God. And compared to the holiness of God, everybody needs cleansing. Everybody needs washing. And because of the sacrifice, you now can be cleansed. You can be washed. And once you are washed, you can walk in. And the next stop on your right is the table of the bread, of the presence And you can have a relationship with Jesus. He is the bread of the presence. And then then on the other side, opposite the table of the bread of the presence, now you got light, and you couldn't get it outside in the world because it's not light from the sun. It's not light from the moon. It's light from God. Now you have understanding like you never had before. Now you have wisdom. Now you have, you you can see, I saw the light. I mean, there you go, man. And because you have the right sacrifice and you've been washed and cleansed and you partake of the bread of the presence and now you have the light of life, there's no separation between you and the Father. There is no curtain there. It's been torn by the sacrifice of Jesus. And now you come to the presence of the throne of God. And you come openly and you come freely because now the angels, they're looking down at that atonement cover and they are marveling at the grace and mercy of God seen in His love for you. Because Jesus gave His life and that blood was sprinkled on that mercy seat and now the Father looks at you and looks at me and looks at those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as if we've kept every commandment because the testimony is there. It's the testimony of Jesus. Because life came from heaven. The bread of life has invaded the darkness of the world. And now from just a piece of wood called the cross. You can have life from death. How could you refuse?
Thanks for joining us today to study the Old Testament on the Living Word. You may have thought that this section of the Bible isn't relevant in a world that Jesus has redeemed, but we hope through this study that you've changed your opinion. There's plenty to learn from Old Testament books, the people within, and the ways that God reveals Himself. The God you meet in the Old Testament is the same one who created you, and the same one who's governing your life right now. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this Gleanings from the Old Testament series, you can find them online at ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons. You'll be redirected to our YouTube page, where you can watch a number of teachings from Calvary Chapel Fellowship and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you'll be able to jump into the conversations there. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. You're invited to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're excited to welcome you into our family of faith. You'll find directions and more information at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more on The Living Word.